0: You're listening to The Cultured Podcast, a weekly conversation hosted by me, Michelle Corey, that breaks down the barriers surrounding art, theater, travel, and more to serve a digestible dose of culture for all. to have you for another episode of The Cultured Podcast. It's Michelle Corey, da Didn't you hear it at the beginning of this episode? And we are here to get cultured with a whole different kind of art form. We are talking puppetry today. And we have none other than Raymond Carr. Raymond has over 15 years of experience bringing puppets to life. And let me tell you, there are way more styles of puppetry than just marionettes with those strings. Okay? Also, according to Raymond, please do not call it Puppet Master. That is so passe. Um, hola. It's puppeteer. Raymond has done everything from filmmaking. He has been a theatrical director. He has been a designer. He has toured the entire continent. I mean, he's been to almost every single major city in North America. He's gone to Europe, worked in Iceland for a bit. There is so much to dig into on this episode. But first, we have a very special inspiration for this week. Raymond himself is bringing us the inspiration and I will let him take it from here because this is a good one, y'all. All
1: All right, so while recording this, Black Panther has just opened, and I know a lot of people are talking about it, but for me, it was truly inspiring because it was the first blockbuster Afrofuturist film. It imagined African culture in a very sci-fi way. Generally, we think of sci-fi and fantasy through the lens of a European point of view, and that for me as a black man, I've always been in love with sci-fi and fantasy. And to see that idea through an African point of view was something that we've just literally never seen before on screen. So it was inspiring because it's something that I love and Being able to see myself and people that look like me participate in that conversation of sci-fi fantasy was something that I've longed for for a long time and I'm finally able to see. So it's also something that is obviously people are paying attention to and hopefully will uh, change the game.
0: Wow, Wow! wow. Thank you so much. That was, I couldn't have said it better myself, literally. Um, And now... With Raymond's inspiration in tow, we now get Raymond inspiring us. So hi, Raymond.
1: Hi, everybody. Why don't
0: you tell us how you got into puppetry? Because that, I feel like, has got to be an interesting story.
1: Uh, I lost a bet. That's it. Okay. Uh, All no. right. Well, moving on. <laughs> no, um, I said I like to say that because the reality is slightly more ridiculous. Um, I was uh, homeschooled by church clowns. I grew up in a family of uh, traveling Christian clowns and performers, oh my and God. my brother and I would basically sit behind a PVC. Piped puppet stage and do puppet shows that we would break down and uh, bring back up. Uh, and we had a 18 foot pink trailer that let down into a stage with a, a dancing dinosaur costume that we would get into. And can
0: we? Can, no, we're gonna need to pause <laughs> because I think our whole audience, I just all of us need to process what you just said. It's
1: better to just like go forward. <laughs> it's like it's not, no, it's.
0: The most epic childhood I've ever heard
1: of. I'm 36 and I'm still processing, so. Every Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, so uh, I I was a puppeteer uh, and it was mostly just for the church. And then we- So so, wait, hold on, still processing. (laughs) Uh,
0: You guys would travel Mm -hmm. around Mm -hmm. as a family Mm -hmm. doing like a Christian circus.
1: No, it's more so like uh, we were the children's portion of like the big revivals or conferences at churches and what have you. We were like the children's entertainment for those sorts of things. So we weren't, yeah, so we were, uh, and we, it was incorporating in in children's ministry. So there was a message and and music and songs and all kinds of stuff. But we really performed almost vaudevillian because we didn't have a script or anything. We just had, you know, some sketches and some bits and characters that we knew that we had. And we just had like a little sheet of paper that my mom would write down on a legal pad and we knew what we were supposed to do vaguely and then just talked our way through for four hours because they were, you know, church services that just went on forever. How old were you? I did this from the ages of probably 10 through now. No, uh, <laughs> I, I I, was, I've performed with my parents since I was 10. And uh, I mean, I probably stopped when I was like 19 or so. But
0: And it was you and your brother. Mm-hmm. And how old was your brother?
1: He's two years older than me.
0: So at the ages of 10 and 12, Uh you were improvising puppet shows? Uh Uh-huh. That's amazing. (laughs)
1: All right. That might be one (laughs) of the
0: most interesting things I've ever heard. I'm not even, like, I'm prone to exaggeration and hyperbole, but I'm not...
1: Well, I mean, look, mind-blowing even further, there is a, an industry for uh, Christian puppetry and clowning, and we didn't make this up ourselves. There's curriculum and books and music and puppets you could buy over-the-counter um, through Christian resources that have all this kind of stuff all in the name of Reach and che- Children for Jesus. And all that jazz. So yeah, that's what I. This was on the West Coast, so we traveled um, a bunch. At the height of it, we were performing at around two hundred times a year. So what? Uh, yeah, uh, we were homeschooled, by the way. As I said. Well, uh, yeah,
0: you had a <laughs> whole slew of conferences <laughs> right. to clown around at.
1: Yeah, exactly, which made it slightly less legal. I don't know. There's child labor law um, issues. You could, you know, those infer, don't apply but for yeah, to clowns. Exactly. Or puppeteers. Exactly. Or when it's your parents. Um, <laughs> So, uh, this was in Southern California. So, we moved from Santa Monica, California to Union City, Georgia when I was 17, mm. which is it's was, a huge change. Yeah. It was, it was very not cool. Mm. Um, Still processing uh, that yeah. one, too, I'm imagining. I, I was so emo. I was so, so <laughs> emo. It was, it was adorable. Oh my God, you uh, were a sad puppeteer. I, I was such a sad puppeteer. It was really sad.
0: Raymond, can I be in the biopic of your life? <laughs>
1: Go there's right. absolutely you know, no way.
0: There's not going to be a movie. Go ahead about and your you,
1: life. go ahead and you can star as me if we're like here. Oh, I'd
0: God. be such a perfect role. You would, you're, you're hired. I have a uh, feeling uh, if what's her name as Nina Simone didn't cut it, maybe there
1: would be some issue yeah. with
0: me playing you. No, you're
1: fine. You get you, get, you put in my will. You're fine. I, yeah. From there, I moved to Georgia, where my parents got a, a job at a church, uh, being children's pastors. A big mega church, and uh, I was. Sat in emo, and then I discovered the glory that is the Center for Puppetry Arts, which, yes. uh, you know, for those of you who are local in Atlanta, Georgia, you know how amazing that place is. And that was the first time I met artists that were professional. You know, I didn't consider myself an artist, despite the fact that we were performing all the time. And, mm-hmm. I, and I don't think my parents did either.
0: Yeah. Uh, and for those who don't know, I mean, the Center for Puppetry Arts is the largest mm-hmm museum for puppetry in I think the world.
1: Largest puppetry theater and museum in America and one of the largest in the world and it's currently home to the Jim Henson exhibit and we have they have more of Jim Henson's collection than MoMA or the Smithsonian so uh, you should definitely check it out you get a chance. It's
0: amazing and it just underwent a renovation a couple years ago. It's
1: a beautiful facility. Uh,
0: So that's where you got your start as thinking of yourself as a career puppeteer potentially.
1: Yeah I mean it was it was an interesting transition for those who have, you know, come up uh, in some sort of amateur form of artistry and not really realizing, oh, wait, people do this for a living. And so that was a big eye opener. And so I started doing shows there. They have a great program called Experimental Puppetry Theater, uh, XPT, where it's a grant based program and you submit an idea and they give you up to $400 to and all the center's resources to put on the short you know, five to 10 minute piece. Wow. Um, and then they showcase it in the summer. So I've done, I've directed a couple of shows through that process. And what are uh, some of those shows? My first show I did, when I was 18 years old. I actually applied for it when I was 17 and it's an 18 and up show. So <laughs> I, they, they made sure my birthday was before the performance. So that's how they got away with it. <laughs> no uh, way. But the show I did was called Baby Says Eat Me. baby says eat me yes it was about this adorable baby who was so jealous of food because everybody liked food more than it that he (laughs) went around telling everybody to eat me and he uh eventually tried to all these different things get people to try and eat him and he jumped in the oven and like poured food on his face and all this (laughs) kind of stuff and at the end of it he finally succumbed and ate himself uh oh my god yeah so that was my first adult uh, oriented puppet show oh, uh, they stole my heart that's yeah. amazing yeah oh. it, was a, it, was a, it was a beautiful uh, yeah <laughs> it was actually originally written by one of my homeschool friends that came up with Sarah Martin and that was one of the reasons why we, we stayed friends is because I thought she was just as weird as me and so from there uh, I've done uh, you know a bunch of I did a Bunraku which is a Japanese style of puppetry where you have uh, it's traditional uh, almost like kabuki style where the puppeteers dress in all black but they hold puppets uh, in full visibility that are uh, full body puppets. And so there'll be one person operating the feet, one person operating the hands, and then one person operating the head and body to get this fully ranged motion of puppetry. And they do uh, these gorgeous, ornate costumes for the puppets and beautiful set pieces. Like many artist forms in Japan, you have to spend years and years before you can even participate in this process. And that's kind of where my production company's name comes from, Ninja Puppet Production, because the puppeteers look like ninjas when they're dressed in all black. But I did a version of the story of David and Goliath as told through Kabuki uh, samurai style. So the dragon, we made a, a dragon that was 13 feet tall, operated by uh, seven different puppeteers that was all blacklight, and that was Goliath, and then we had samurai puppets and all this kind of stuff. So it's a beautiful style.
0: Well, and I imagine it takes a tremendous amount of like, coordination. Coordination, Yeah, like an- anticipating somebody else's movement,
1: yeah, it's it's a fascinating. And I love it so much because it does require a lot of coordination. But when it's at the height of it, you still get this level of uh, improvisation and and thinking on your feet, and uh, a real synergy with your other performers that is very difficult to get outside of that it's like a lot of movement artists that get you know so yeah. you, you get the symbiotic symbiotic relationship with other performers still to infuse this life with this uh, inanimate object which is when it works it really really works
0: wow yeah
1: it's beautiful beautifully put uh, yeah flash forward uh did some shows at the center um then i went to uh, i auditioned for a thing called uh, a tv show called lazy town which was on nick jr for a while and so pink haired girl and this guy in blue tights that spins around and stuff it was a fitness show but we shot that in Reykjavik, Iceland so I spent a year out there so I worked on that show for a year and then I came back to Atlanta and I continued doing my own stuff and worked in commercials and what have you I went on tour with a show called Walking with Dinosaurs which was a life-size animatronic dinosaur show that played arenas, so we played Madison Square Garden, Staples <laughs> Center, and Phillips Arena, of course. But it was North America, so we went to Canada, and Mexico as well. Holy moly. Yeah, and each we were the fourth largest touring show in the world at the time. Uh, so it was like Springsteen, U2, one other, and us.
0: And, uh, and walking with dinosaurs. Yeah, so
1: we traveled with 25 semi-trucks, 75 people. <gasps> yeah, it was crazy. What was that like? It was two years, so it wow. was a lot of good and a lot of intense. You know, I, I'm so in- incredibly grateful for it. I was the head of animatronic puppetry performance. What we called ourselves voodoo puppets because we operated them remotely. So we had a sophisticated animatronic rig operating these dinosaurs that would free roam on the floor of these arenas. What? Yeah, there's three people. There was a little car underneath it that would operate the legs, and then next to me was somebody with a keyboard and a joystick that operate the mouth, and then I had what looked like a small vertebrae set uh, for a back that at the end of it had almost like a bicycle arm control on it, and then on the uh, other end of it had a vertical bicycle arm grip that would operate the tail, and then the front of it operated the neck and head. And we communicated to each other with headsets and had a full script of commands and things of that nature. So
0: So for each dinosaur, it was like three people operating the dinosaur. Exactly. And how many dinosaurs were there? We had
1: 17 dinosaurs.
0: Holy moly. Our that's tallest, where you get the 75 people. <laughs> yeah, our,
1: our tallest dinosaur was Mother Brachiosaurus, and that was uh, 40 feet tall. But we referred to those as Bun Roku puppets as well. The style of puppetry, it's, it's a bit of a stretch for that term, but it was the same thing where three puppeteers on one puppet all communicating to each other and working in symbiosis to create one single performance.
0: So high-tech boon or
1: Yeah, definitely. And that was an amazing experience. Um, We even got parodied on The Simpsons, which was fun. What?
0: (laughs) You've made it.
1: Yeah, I know. You you have made it. That was the height of my career.
0: (laughs) You peaked. Yeah.
1: Um... (laughs) Oh, and I was an episode of CSI, it an episode where the revolved around walking with dinosaurs, the, the, chari- the characters, because it was like CSI Vegas, and yeah. it was a stupid thing. I still get it like 25 cents every two weeks or something like that. So. I'm going to
0: watch that show yeah. just so I can contribute.
1: That's yeah. uh, so how I got my SAG card, yeah. So from there, came back to Atlanta and really keyed in on into the uh, independent film industry and worked with a lot of, really awesome indie filmmakers, David Bruckner, Dan Bush, Jacob Gentry, a lot of awesome people that have made movies and went to Sundance and that I was fortunate enough to participate with and uh, started making my own kind of creature centric puppet movies that have monsters and and other weird things attached to them. But I was able to you know, up my production value based on the context that I had made.
0: What do you mean by that?
1: One of the great things about Atlanta is that there's a lot of collaboration and a lot of, you know, favors our currency. And so I found that I would work on other people's films and after a while, I had a bunch of favors saved up, and so I can be like, "Hey, guys come work on this weird puppet movie." And they all would. <laughs> um, and so I was able to get high-tech uh, HD cameras. And, and well, back in the day, they were just HD cameras now, 4K and 6K cameras, and the sound, the sound equipment are needed, and you know the, the just level of production people involved to make these movies. You know something really interesting, or at least feel like a movie. You know, so I started doing that quite a bit. Made a movie that went to Slam Dance, which is a film festival in Salt Lake City, right next to Sundance, and uh, went to Comic Con. Perform and it it did well at the London Sci-Fi Festival and Atlanta Film Festival. And let me
0: ask you. Yeah. I mean. In just the quick synopsis that uh-huh. you've given us so far, uh-huh. it's astounding where puppetry has taken you. Yeah. Would you have ever been able to imagine that puppetry could take you to these places?
1: It depends on when, at what point you ask me in life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that uh, I've been very fortunate to give some ridiculous opportunities. And I think that as somebody who... Like many artists who came up around and didn't really know what it meant to really be an artist or or maybe saw People that you were inspired by but didn't know how they got there You know to really like thinking about like the Muppets when you know I remember having conversation with my other friends when I was a teenager that were in the puppets and whatever and thinking about Yeah, I really like to work with the Muppets not knowing any of us how to actually do any of that
0: Hi i'm waiting for maria and i'm very excited i can't wait till she gets here because it's story time wow. hi big bird ready hi, for a story oh yeah i can't wait okay now which one of these
1: it is it is amazing well, but yeah. i also really i try and look forward while still keeping a, uh, a level head about my own expectations and also my own abilities, you know, being able to really stay grounded in what I'm able to do and rely and and know me as an artist. I feel like the thing that age has given me has been a sense of awareness as to what I am to other people and who I am to myself and where I stand as an artist. And also having that foundation makes me have a better realistic idea of where I'm going as an artist, too. So all that is a roundabout way, way of saying, no, I didn't know. I gonna, yeah, I don't no, know. I could have never imagined. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's <was> amazing. <laughs> I could have never imagined. I um, mean,
0: you did have this, uh, if there ever there were a non-traditional upbringing, it was yours. <laughs> yours is the one under the textbook definition of non-traditional upbringing. And I think that was an opportunity to show you that there are, so many other ways to live and to do things. And so, you know, not to put thoughts into your head, but I know that, for instance, I grew up within a matriarchy Mm -hmm. of older women. Mm -hmm. And so how that's informed me is that I'm very self-assured as a young woman. Mm -hmm. And also, I believe that I can do whatever I want at whatever age, because all of these older women kept partying and living a good life. They still are into their 80s, you know, that they're my aunts. So I think that really informs you.
1: No doubt. Like, uh, it definitely does. Being a young black man in the in the 90s, having that awareness of what other black men were doing at that time. And I like, you know, I grew up in Inglewood during certain parts of my life and all that kind of stuff. And so I feel like I had a, obviously a different experience from a lot of people around me that did inform me and took the reins off of my trajectory to a certain extent because I was able to think differently than maybe a more traditional setting or, or, or conditioning, uh, if you will. And, you know, I, I am eternally grateful for the people, my parents, other mentors that have allowed me to do the thing and not have to worry about, you know, falling on my face too much, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, um, or your
1: puppets falling uh, on Yeah, your Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: Hey, that was a, that was a <laughs> that pretty non-cliché one. Yeah, that was, that
1: was very, It was funny. It
0: was funny. Don't patronize no, me. No, it was great. <laughs> it was so funny. Oh, that was even more <laughs> patronizing. Okay. <laughs> well, and I can imagine you're, with your parents and mm. what they used to do, there was nothing but support when you decided to pursue puppetry.
1: They've always been... Very supportive, like to a fault, I think. I think in <laughs> hindsight, they probably should have told me to like slow it down for a minute there. But <laughs> I, they have always been like wildly supportive of my nonsense, even when they don't understand and they don't understand like the vast majority of the art that I do now. And uh, which, you know, granted, most audiences don't either. So but uh, they still like not and give a thumbs up when they see and they still try and come to my shows and and when they can so
0: that's so sad yeah it is so now let's dive into a little bit about the different aspects of puppetry so mm-hmm. can you break down some of your cuz there's just such a vastness of puppetry styles, but can you break down some of the more common ones and then some of your favorite?
1: Probably the, the the version that most people are familiar with is what we call Muppet style, which is pretty self-explanatory. It's Sesame Street Muppets, basically your hands over your head and you're moving your hands like you're moving the mouth of the puppet. And that's referred to as moving mouth hand and rod puppet because, you know, they have rods in their hands and what have you. And that was obviously made popular by Jim Henson. And he pretty much basically invented that style. So before that, you know, there were some glove puppets like you would see on Mister Rogers or Kukla, Fran, and Ollie, or Howdy Doody marionettes, and all that kind of stuff. But what Jim did is that they all those shows on TV had puppet stages, and Jim decided to just remove the puppet stage and just have the edge of the frame and the and the camera be the puppet stage. You know. And so he would all frame it for specifically for puppetry. And that was like a big innovation for the time. Wow. Uh, yeah, that was a game changer. So that's why all of his stuff like blew people away because he treated it as almost like animation. It was like a combination of like vaudeville and animation where he was able to have all these outlandish sketches where the puppets were blowing up and being eaten and and thrown Mm -hmm. against the wall and all that kind of madcap animation style comedy, but it was still very, felt very quick and very like jokey and like uh, in this vaudevillian kind of sketch way. And so that's the innovation that he uh, provided. The Henson Company, I've been fortunate enough to be working with the Henson Company now for uh, a couple of years now, and they still thrive on that style, even though it's come through. A lot of different iterations. I'm currently involved with Puppet Up, which is their adult puppet improv team. <laughs> and they had a run in Vegas for a while, and we've done some shows here and there. They'll be back on tour eventually. But that is Muppet-style puppets, except whose line it is, is it anyway style improv, where what? they're interacting with the crowds. But then there's a, there's a camera. And then there's a projection screen above the puppeteers, so you're and the puppets are like being lifted up in front of the camera, so it just looks like if you want to look up, it just looks like an improvised TV show. But if you look down, you can see the puppeteers below, uh, audience oh, that's interaction. So cool. And then in between sketches and stuff, they do recreations of some of Jim Henson's old sketches that he would do, like on the Ed Sullivan Show and uh, the Tonight Show and all that kind of stuff. In addition to that, they've translated the moving mouth hand puppet style into animatronics and animation. So the show that I'm currently on with the Henson Company is called Splash and Bubbles and it's a show for PBS that teaches kids about oceanography and it's a series of fish. I swam all
0: around
1: Way it's different it's a computer generated show but it still uses what they call digital puppetry and we ha- i haven't s- my hand is basically uh covered in a little bit of a sock that has a series of servos and and sensors that are around it and in my What's o- a servo? uh it's a, a, a servo is not the proper term but a, basic electronics that are measuring the movement of my hand so okay. if i open my hand up the pup the the digital character's mouth opens if i close it vice versa yeah. i have a joystick in my left hand that moves the eyes left to right has a thumb toggle that makes the eyes blink and it can control the eyebrows i have a sphere, series of foot pedals that control the cheeks and the nose and all these sorts <laughs> oh of things God. i'm basically sitting in a chair doing all of these things to manipulate the computer generated character's face at the same time i'm reading a script so we're Like a television show, we are shooting a television show, reading this script in real time while manipulating the mouth of the puppet. Then at the same time, there's somebody on the floor in front of me that's on this 500-square-foot, basically, pad that has sensors all around it in the ceiling that are taking the movement of this rod puppet that they're holding. It basically looks like a fish with a series of ping-pong balls, glowing ping-pong balls all over it, and you move the fish around, like you would a, a stage on stage in a theater situation, and then you immediately see it moving in real time on screens all around you. So it's kind of like a real time video game, and we're working in concert with each other. Oi. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're saying a whole lot that I'm needing to process. I, you're probably like the only guest who's left me
1: like speechless
0: <laughs> multiple times. Okay, all
1: right, where'd I lose you?
0: No, you did This is unbelievable. Okay, so you are controlling all of these levers and buttons and mm-hmm. joysticks at the same time as speaking the script, mm-hmm. at the same time as looking at the screens to see it come to life?
1: Yes. The other half of me, another performer, is on the floor moving the puppet around.
0: How? <laughs>
1: I'm Through such, the a, magic good, I'm of such a good journalist. How
0: though? <laughs> no, but did that take you a ton of time to get used to?
1: Yes and no. The specific system that we were using, the Henson Digital Puppetry System, I did have several weeks on that to try and really perfect the 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 idea of using that. But the basic. Premise of it was still based on Muppet-style performances, and the Henson Company is a performance-centric production company. They are uh, they lead by their performers, and they're one of the best companies to work for for any aspect of performance Mm. because the performers really do deep dive and and lead the conversations as far as like how much time you have with the material versus like you know there's not always somebody who's over your shoulder screaming at you need to move forward, which is you know, it happens on set. So it's, they're such a great company to work for. So yes, it did take me a while to to, to figure that out. But the benefit is that we were doing a 15-page episode a day of animation, CG animation. Which is
0: unheard of right. with actual traditional animation.
1: Right. Normally, in context, late like, would take months to get that. Of course, these were low-res versions of it, so they would need to process it and full, bring them to full resolution. But just that itself... It just is processing power and, and such so such a faster process. So that's the system that I've been working with with the Henson Company. Splash and Bubbles is doing well. It's still, I believe it's still the third largest, uh, biggest sh- show on PBS Kids right now, which is great. Wow, yeah.
0: congratulations. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And it's
1: a musical, so it's all set to Motown music, which is a lot of fun. Do you have to sing at all? I do.
0: Oh, my God. Can you <laughs> sing us a little song? Uh,
1: <laughs> I am. Um, so my character is a puffer fish named Dunk. And Pufferfish actually make sand patterns in the sand. And they use it as a mating. But they will make like almost crop circle, perfectly symmetrical circles in the sand that are like very interesting and delicate.
0: I have an ex who used to do that around me. <laughs>
1: I'm just kidding. That's just a Pufferfish joke. right. Yeah, that was funny. That was, <laughs> Thanks. Was, yeah. So he has this song that is, uh, it's, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just doing it. And it's all about him just doing stuff. Uh, because he likes it, not because of anybody's touching <laughs> it. All right, take it down. Trying to have a serious conversation here. Are we? Keep it together. Oh my god! Keep I wasn't it expecting
0: that. <laughs> I, dude, I need more.
1: <laughs>
0: I think this show's for me. Yeah. I think I need to watch this show. It's great.
1: I, I play two characters. I play well, several characters. I play a pufferfish named Dunk, and I play the the mayor of the reef it's reef town
0: and how does he sound his
1: mayor's thing that sounds like this so i have to go all the way down from here to all the way up to here
0: wow yeah that was impressive
1: so yeah it's 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 a wild time um
0: well you were saying that the system that you use you actually didn't it didn't it like felt natural because of that's the kind of puppetry you've been doing all along
1: yeah and it's also the style of puppetry that they the interface that we use basically the joystick and the hand control is what they've been developing it's what they did for the tv show dinosaurs back in the 90s oh it's my how they God. did the ninja turtles back in the 90s it's how they've done you know a little shop of horrors all of these all these creatures with moving mouths that have facial expressions and animatronic features that's done with this system except the system just takes it into the digital range and makes them uh, computer-generated characters.
0: Fascinating yeah okay, so we've talked about moving hand and mouth, mouth moving yeah.
1: <laughs> Muppet style puppets <laughs>
0: Muppet style puppets uh-huh. <laughs> much better. <laughs> and we've talked about Baroku B-
1: Boon Raku what? Boon Raku uh-huh. I'm very
0: bad at this <laughs> And we've talked about animation uh-huh. style puppetry yeah. uh-huh. What are some others?
1: You know, one of the other styles that I, I like to use is um, I either do something called uh, tabletop puppetry, which is essentially um, more of an avant-garde, traditionally way of doing it. It's a lot of what the center. If you've seen a show a show at the Center for Puppetry Arts, that's generally referred to as tabletop puppetry, where it's usually like the level of a table and there's people operating it Mm -hmm. sometimes it can be found object puppetry where you're literally just moving an object like a can or an apple or something like that and you're bringing it to life rod puppetry oftentimes is uh, i use a lot where it's literally just rods going uh, in the back of the puppet and on the hands of the puppet and you're Manipulating in that very basic style that's used in a lot of um, Indonesian style puppetry and Asian art forms. It's a very traditional uh, style of puppetry. I generally shy away from marionettes. I don't really do much it's really easy to make a marionette look bad and it's really hard to make it look good. Oh.
0: Wow. <laughs> and marionettes are of course the traditional strong string puppets, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And are
0: they just too high strung
1: Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. So no, uh, <laughs> String puppets. I don't really. It's 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 really it's really hard to use them, and I I like the direct control of like a tabletop of Boomer Crew because I'm, my hands are literally on the puppet, and I can make it grab things and do things and do precision movements, and I I find that to be more fascinating. And, and I love a good marionette show. It's just not what I always gravitate towards Mm -hmm. performance-wise myself.
0: I just love seeing shows like at Center for Puppetry Arts, they often combine quite a few different forms of puppetry. And to me, that's fascinating because you start seeing how how different the essence of the character Mm -hmm. takes shape based on each style because it can really lend a very different feel. What are some of the projects you're working on right now other than Splash and Bubbles?
1: My performance partner and I, Raymond Wade Tilton, uh, we go by Raymond versus Raymond. We We did a show last year at Village Theater. We got a grant from the Idea Capital which is a a local grant opportunity in Atlanta. That's and, awesome! Uh, Congratulations! Yeah, they gave us a, a grant to put on a show at Village Theater, and it's ba- it was a basically like a culmination of close to a decade's worth of work that both Wade and I have been doing. It was all adult avant garde, random, artsy fartsy stuff. Uh, yeah, he's I always say that he's the uh, fartsy to my artsy. <laughs> so <laughs> he's just really gassy. <laughs> A little bit. So for, uh, now we are uh, in development for a new show. Um, we've done performances at the Goat Farm and IDrum and and all over town and at the Center for Puppetry Arts. So we're in preparation, basically getting a, a, a bunch of new material that we've actually been playing around at some local theaters and secret shows and things of that nature. Ooh, I so sepsy. I know, right?
0: Now, real quick, you know, you mentioned being a black man. Yeah, which
1: that is true. That I, is what I am.
0: Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. And so, but is there a lot of Diversity in puppetry, or has that presented a challenge for
1: you? There is not a lot of diversity in puppetry, and it's more so pre- presented a lot of opportunities for me, honestly. Wow! Because for once, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a thing where, especially people like the Henson Company, they are actively seeking diverse cast members and talent. Um, because if I wanted to play a five-year-old Latina girl, I can, but might as well get you know, a Latina to actually play that role because there's a, there's a certain level of authenticity that is infused in that. Totally. Especially when a lot of puppetry requires improvisation and, and just off the cuff kind of figuring it out. And if you have that as your background, might as well tap into that. So, yes, the the diversity thing among responsible production companies like the Henson Company and others is actually been to my benefit. Right now that I've discovered is that opportunities are out there and has a lot to do with access from those minorities in general. Like Mm -hmm. uh, somebody in the African-American community may not think of an avant-garde artist art form to pursue as their career choice because they haven't been exposed to that as an option for them and their community. And and maybe a lot of their relatives or or friends might not really uh, embrace that that lifestyle of all these sorts of things. So giving kids of color uh, the permission to be weird and to make art and all that kind of stuff and letting them know that there are opportunities and actually people are looking for you you know, for years we were told that you weren't allowed and now we're it's switched the other way where it's like, no, they want you out there. And giving those kids the green light to be go out and be weird and make art is exciting.
0: I'm so thankful you were given that opportunity yeah. because it's <laughs> resulted in this like fascinating human being who's done such incredible things and you've created all of these imaginary worlds you brought them to life and now you're here telling us about them and inspiring us so thank you raymond
1: thank you for having me
0: this has been so fun y'all thank you for allowing us to string you along on this journey (laughs) get it Anyway, before Raymond kills me, I just want to thank you again for coming along for the ride. I learned so much. I think I really do think this is the first episode where I was constantly left speechless because there is so much complexity behind the art of puppeteering how cool if you want to learn a little bit more about Raymond and his work on many endeavors one of which is super sexy and secret well we'll find out soon you can go to ninjapuppetproductions.com it's exactly how it sounds is how you spell it ninjapuppetproductions.com and of course all of these links and everything that we mentioned in the show today is going to be on the episode show notes at culturedpodcast.com until next week Keep it classy. Keep it curious. Keep it cultured. I'm Michelle Corey. Sean Powers is our producer. The Cultured Podcast is a production of Zero Mile Media, made with love in Atlanta. You can listen to The Cultured Podcast at culturedpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, and anywhere else podcasts are found.